Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. Ever wondered just how involved God is in your daily life? Then you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis and Vicar Dylan Meyer, as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives, the Ten Commandments, baptism, Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to the Living Faith. Welcome to Living the Faith, episode 38, Gifts of Grace. My name is Pastor Tom Marsis, Senior Pastor of Zion Lutheran Church. And I'm Victor Dylan Meyer. We're glad that you're with us. This week, we're really going to focus in on the means of grace. Now, that terminology may be familiar to some of you. It may be new to some of you. But it's something that is very important as we turn to our life as Christians when we say the means of grace. So we need to ask the question, okay, what is grace? Uh, and uh, how does that come to us? Because when we, when we say the means of grace, we're really diving into how does God's grace come to us? How do we receive it? And that's very important because... Uh, it's one of those churchy speak things that we've talked about along the way. But this means of grace is really something that is very much uh, important to our daily life as Christians. And when we say that term, we're really talking about the word and sacraments. He comes to us in his word and he comes to us in the sacraments. And it really impacts our daily walk of faith, and it's very important to us. So we're going to really dive into what is this means of grace that we're talking about, why is it important to us, how does it impact us. So there's really a lot uh, jammed into this little phrase, means of grace, and we're going to get into it. So as we get started, uh, the first question that's really before us, what exactly is God's grace? The grace of God— Right, there are a few things that that we could that we we need to talk about when when talking about the grace of God, and that is that God's grace, in essence, can be defined as God's undeserved favor, love, and mercy. And we'll unpack these things more as we go on. And the key word here, obviously is undeserved. Undeserved. And, and I think that's in, the important as we get started into really focusing in on that word undeserved. He does give us his favor. He does give us his love. He does give us his mercy, as Vicar mentioned. But it all revolves around that word undeserved. And as we dive into it, the best way for us to find out what that is, is obviously turning to scripture. And one of those is uh, the eternal character of God. And we see this in uh, Psalm 103. Now, uh, last week we were talking about turning to the Psalms and how many of the Psalms that King David had written. And uh, Psalm 103 is one of King David's Psalms. And uh, as he begins this Psalm, listen to these words, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. I mean, all these benefits, the way that God comes to us, his eternal character of being able to bring us that, really speaks to his undeserved love. Do we deserve all these things that he's giving us that King David's talking about? The simple answer is no. And yet, he does it anyway. 
And also from scripture, we hear uh, that grace is a part of God's will for humanity. Uh, In Titus 2, uh, verse 11, uh, we hear, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And so this grace that has appeared, Titus is, of course, in the context talking about we we see uh, the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this is a part of God's will. Grace is a part of God's will for humanity. And his grace works. Now, the fancy word is efficacious. I don't expect you necessarily to remember that word. But what it means is that God's grace works. And it's written, uh, Luke records this for us in Acts chapter 20, when he says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. It works. He builds you up. It's a part of that. How important it is to know that we, when we hear of all these undeserved things that God gives us, that it is not just mere words, but it's also action. It works in who and what we are in Christ Jesus. Too many times, I think, when we start talking about our Christian life or what is a Christian or how it impacts it, uh, the world around us often looks at, well, that's just words. I mean, you say God does this, you say that this is going on, but really, it's just words. Mm -hmm. And clearly, for us as Christians, we know that it's more than God saying he loves us. He does love us, and it's demonstrated in what he has done, is doing, and continues to do for us. So undeserved love, this grace, is not just mere words. It's life. It's action. Mm. And, and that's so important. So with that being true, how does he give us, or bestow would be another fancy word, but how does he give us his grace? Well, it is very, very important to understand that God gives his grace. Going back to this idea that it is not something that we deserve, um, but God is a gift giver. So you'll hear a lot about how grace, you'll hear a lot of people preach about grace during the time of Christmas because it it's a good way to work in how God is a gift giver. He gives grace to us, even though we don't deserve it. And he's always working through means. And what we mean <laughs> pun intended, I guess, uh, by this word means, is uh, the specific ways in which God has desired, has intended his grace to be given to us. Um, he, he does this through human ways, I guess would be a, a synonym of that. Um, you know, God's word itself was written by human beings but we believe that they were inspired human beings, right? They were people who were inspired by God to write these things, and they're writing to other human beings in human situations. And so that is one way that God's word, God's very word, his way that he has revealed himself to us, was was worked through human means. And maybe we need to step back for just a moment to review a little bit, remembering that all of last year, we had our trek through the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so we did talk about this often, but let's be reminded of this, that being inspired means God guided and directed his men what to write, and they wrote it, but he worked in and through them. So 
when you read Scripture and all the various books that are in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, remembering that God worked in and through human writers. So, as an example, when you read First uh, and Second Peter, we are reminded that Peter wasn't necessarily a very educated man. He was a fisherman. Hmm. And so, a very simple language, a very simple sentence structure. Why? Because God worked in and through Peter as Peter was doing that writing. Whereas, in the Gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts, uh, the writer was the physician or doctor, Luke. Mm -hmm. And so much more educated, much more formal language. If you read the New Testament, there's a lot of words that are in Luke and in Acts that are only used once or twice. And that's the only time throughout all of scripture that they're used. He had a vocabulary that would be above the average individual who was writing. So therefore, when Luke is doing the writing, and God is working in and through Luke. It is as much the inspired word there as it is in Peter, but the writing style, the vocabulary is different. Doesn't mean that one is more inspired than the other. It's that God is working in and through those individuals. And so don't be confused by someone saying, well, there's obviously all these different authors and how can it all? No, God is working in and through these men that he chose and inspired, and therefore he comes to us whether it be the Gospel of Luke, whether it be First or Second John, whether it be First uh, or Second Peter, whatever the case may be, it is still God, through these human writers, coming to us, bringing to us this means of grace, bringing to us His promise for us, and He uses them. So that's just a step back from what we've been talking about all last year with Trek Through the Scriptures, mm. but it is really important to be reminded of that when we're talking about means of grace and coming through His Word. And certainly we can't forget, too, um, that God himself came to us as a human being. And so um, as Jesus is born into this world and born into humanity, this is obviously another way that this is the way that God brings his, his grace to us, is Jesus becoming human and dwelling among us. And the word that we use to describe him becoming human is... Incarnation. Very important yes. word. And that's a word that you will hear often in Christmas, Advent, mm -hmm. preparation for that. But this incarnation, God becoming human and living among us, setting aside his godly nature, not losing it, but setting aside his godly nature, choosing to and becoming a human, a means that he brings that message to us. This is very, very important with with grace, understanding how God gifts his grace to us. And um, so we understand all throughout scripture that God actually works the extraordinary through ordinary things. And we'll talk more about this in a little bit. And that's bit. an amazing statement. Yeah. Think about all the amazing things God does, and yet he uses simple people to bring it about. I, I would often uh, equate this with the pastor that stands before you just an ordinary guy, trust me, just an ordinary guy. Uh, and yet God is able to do extraordinary things. Oftentimes that as a pastor, I'll be clearly obvious, uh, honest with you. I don't know how it gets done. Uh, the uh, way that I like to say it, I got this phrase from my father-in-law, God gets his work done in spite of us, not mm, because yeah. of us. And that's this really speaks to the extraordinary being used in very ordinary means. Yeah, yeah. And um, God's means of grace include especially his sacraments 
to, and we'll dive more into this because this is our main, uh, this is the main meat of our means of uh, means of grace topic. But and we're going to see over the next several weeks, we'll talk about the different sacraments. We're going to hear, you know, dive into what exactly they are. But as we're getting into it here, one of the simple phrases when we start talking about what is a sacrament? I mean, uh, in confirmation class, uh, as I have questioning at the end, this is the one question that every confirmant gets asked in front of the congregation when we do the uh, questioning. What is a sacrament? And I always tell them it's three parts, and you gotta have all three parts. Given by God, a physical element connected with God's word that delivers forgiveness of sins, those three. And if it, it has two of the three, not a sacrament. One of the three, not a sacrament. Have all three, it's a sacrament. Mm-hmm. And with that definition that we use, there is only two sacraments. And so let's get back to the first part, given by God. The fancy word sometimes you'll hear is instituted by Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we understand through this uh, being instituted and commanded by Christ that sacrament is indeed a sacred act. Um, and the word itself actually comes from the Greek uh, mystery. Getting back at this idea that all three things are necessary uh, to make it a sacrament. God's promise, grace, and forgiveness are given to us. His grace is given to us through this physical uh, or visible element. And so with baptism and the Lord's Supper, our main two that we understand to be sacraments uh, within our Lutheran church, you know, going back to this idea of God working the extraordinary through the ordinary. We have the water in baptism and the bread and the wine in the Lord's Supper. These are the ordinary things that we have. Well, and Luther even refers to it, simple water only. Simple water only. Yeah. And and, uh, uh, simple water. And I remember as a kid being, simple water? Water is just water. And yet... Um, you know, do, is it the water from the Jordan River? Is it the water from the Sea of Galilee? Is it the water from the Missouri River? I mean, you can see where you go with this. Right. Um, and so it's really, I, I really very much like how Luther described simple water only. We, and let's be real, as, as human beings, we often like to say that's too easy. There's got to be more to it. There, it we got We try to make it more complicated, and yet it always comes back. It, it's just water. That's all it is. It's just water. Yeah. And um, my dad, being a pastor, would often show me. You know, this is where we get the baptismal water from, and then he'd go right to the the faucet, and he'd just, you know, it, it's not. There's no. It's it's just water. And and with the bread and the wine, similar similarly, you know, it's just bread and wine, in and of themselves. It's an ordinary thing. But how does God make it extraordinary in the in the speaking and the reading of his word, God's word being present also in the sacrament, and then in in and through that, the Holy Spirit being present. And of course, then with the bread and the wine, it is then Christ's true body and blood uh, and but also bread and the wine. Right. And so... Uh, it's a both and, it's, it's not a an both either and, or. a true presence. And so when we have a baptism, you know, the baptismal font is filled with water. And it's, that's all it is. It's just water. Yeah. Until, 
I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And now something extraordinary over this very ordinary thing becomes very true as that water uh, touches, whether it be the child or a young adult or an adult, whatever it might be. What's made it extraordinary, what makes it baptism is the the combining of those two, the water and the word. Whereas uh, we often refer to it with the bread and wine in, with, and under. The with bread and, under. and wine are the very body and blood of Christ. And those are these extraordinary means are things that in the coming weeks we're going to really dive into. But knowing that in and through these two sacraments, Christ really comes to us in what seemingly is a very ordinary thing to bring a very extraordinary thing called the means of grace. And we trust that we are given God's promises then in these sacraments. Uh, it's not a maybe, it's not a could be. It, it's a, an assured thing that he's coming to us in and through that. And so uh, as we've talked about this, it really comes down to this. All of these things, word, sacrament, baptism, Lord's Supper, why are God's means of grace? All these things that we've just been talking about, why are they so important to us? Well, through his means of grace, his word, and the work of his Holy Spirit, uh, we understand God's gift of grace actually gives to us and sustains our faith. And so, um, this is very, very important in our, as we're talking about living the faith, you know, sacraments are how God gives his grace to us. And God's word is how God's grace is given to us. And um, and so we also, you know, as we were talking about a little, a little while ago, um, God forgives us. God's forgiveness of sins is present. And each week we are desperately in need of that forgiveness of sins. We are undeserving of this grace. And yet God is willing to give it to us out of his grace. Um, and so the, these sins that burden us daily, God's grace uh, forgives us. Um, and then also God, through these sacraments, through his means of grace, he establishes a right relationship with us as his children. And finally, lastly, um, God saves us. Um, you know, we you'll often hear a lot of times uh, the church speak, uh, the Latin church speak of sola gratia, where it's uh, by grace alone, right? God saves us by his grace alone. Nothing that we can do or, or earn will deserve salvation. God's grace has accomplished that through us or for us. And really, when you stop to think about it, and this is a phrase that you might hear often, God does his best work on the cross of Christ. Yeah. What a statement of undeserved love. Christ was sinless. He didn't deserve to go there. Uh, and yet, out of his love for you, out of his love for me, the fact that we were unable to do it for ourselves, he went there on your behalf and my behalf. What a statement of undeserved love and care for us is seen on the suffering and death on the cross. I mean, that's really like the culmination of all of this leading up to uh, that the Old Testament was pointing to, his life, his ministry pointing to, and ultimately for our sake, 
uh, he really does that. And all of this, as Vicar's been talking about, really is what sustains us, what gives us that faith. And I want you to really stop and think about this a little bit this week. We're going to dive into it in future weeks here. But it's no less a mystery, and that's the term that Vicar talked about earlier, coming from the Greek when we talk about that. It's no less a mystery that faith is brought to a child who's an infant through the waters of baptism than an adult, because just as the child has done nothing to deserve this grace, this undeserved love, neither as an adult. Well, I understand it, and I did this, and I decided to come here. Ah, ah, sorry. It's still ultimately all rests on God's grace, whether I'm a week old, whether I'm 90 years old, whatever in between, it still comes down to the fact that it's undeserved and I didn't do anything to, to deserve it in baptism, nor then as I get older uh, and have gone through and prepared through the Lord's Supper in and with that uh, bread and wine. So that really talks about all coming to us. And in the next several weeks, as we dive more into the sacraments and the like, we're again and again going to be revisiting, coming back to this word grace, undeserved love, and all the the parts that come with that. Uh, but really, it's going to be an opportunity for us to really grow in God's love for us and all that he has delivered to us. And so as you dive into the readings this week, as you look into the uh, prompt question and think about it, really give some thought as to, okay, this is what the pastor and vicar have talked about related to grace. How does it relate to these passages? How does it relate to me? What does it mean? I mean, this is this is very central to our living the faith, living under God's grace, living under his undeserved love is really central to uh all that we've been studying and reading and learning this coming year, and really as we go forward, uh, who we are in Christ Jesus. So ponder that, look to that. Uh, we hope to be able to dive into it more in the coming weeks in our podcast as we look ever more into his word and how we live out that life of faith. And we uh, pray the Lord's blessings be upon you this week in your reflections and in your readings, and we'll visit with you again next week. Lord's blessings. Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your Holy Word, you may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. Tuning next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the Scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.